good. How is everyone? Is everyone well? Looking forward to what God has to say today. Because our God is a speaking God. He always has something to say. And we should always need to be prepared to hear what he's got to say. Because whatever he says is good for us. It's good for our edification and for our encouragement. And basically that's what I want to do this morning. I want to both edify you, but most of all I want to encourage you by the scriptures that I brought today. And I was, as I was sitting there, I was just reflecting how everything that we've done today, so far, from our worship time, Chris's poem, the table that we have partaken of, the focus has been on Jesus. He is the centrality of everything that we do. And this morning, I've entitled my talk, Consider Him. The writer to the Hebrews says, but we see Jesus. And if there's anything that we need to see, anyone that we need to see, we need to see Jesus. The book of Hebrews is written to Hebrew Christians to encourage them as they go through difficult times. So this morning, what I want to say is also for your encouragement. I don't know if you're going through difficult times. If you are, this is for you. If you're not, wait a little while, and no doubt you will be. So this is also for you. I don't want to depress you, but this is life. It's not all prosperity gospel. Sometimes, as Christians, we go through difficult times. And the word of God is given to us and for us in our difficult times to encourage us. So I'm going to have a look at a few verses in Hebrews. But first of all, I want to start in 2 Timothy. Just as an introduction. I don't know if you remember when Phil was here last week, he spoke about faith and trust. And he read a few scriptures from the book of Timothy. Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. Regarding the end of Paul's life, he's in prison, he's writing, and this is what he wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now, I'm not going to speak about the crown. If you remember last week, myself and Phil had a bit of a discussion about the crown. I'm not speaking about that. I want to concentrate on where Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. And that's what I want to talk about today. What it means to run the race and also to finish the race well. I'm not going to go into the details of what the race is. Maybe we can do that another time. I just want to have an overview, over, overview 
on how to run the race and how to finish well. And that's what we're going to look at today. So come with me to Hebrews 12. We want to see Jesus, don't we? And that's what we want to do today. We want to consider him. We're going to concentrate mostly on the first three verses of Hebrews 12. I'm going to read them first. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned in its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So my purpose today is to encourage you not to grow weary and lose heart, but to consider him. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, let's introduce it. At this point in the exposition, the writer to the Hebrews turns from the saints of the Old Testament the lives of the Old Testament heroes to the sufferings and achievements of the greatest example of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. The letter has already made it clear that it is immensely rewarding to be a believer, but it's not easy. Hebrews 10.35 says, Do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly Rewarded. For the necessary qualities of continuance and endurance, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who not only offers our perfect example, but in parts necessary help. And we do need help to run this race. Hebrews 2.18 says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, He's able to help those who are also being tempted. For tempted, you could insert tested. Our temptations are our testing. Mm. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, yes, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this description of the Christian life as a race is familiar to all of us readers of the New Testament. And using this vivid imagery, the writer to the Hebrews tells us what we must reject, how we must run, and where we must look. And that's what we want to look at today. As we run this race, what must we reject? How must we run? And where must we look to? So first of all, what we must reject. Let's go to verse 1 again. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So first of all, this great crowd of witnesses, who are they? Well, we'll have to go back to Hebrews 11, to the chapter of faith. Those who lived by faith, endured by faith, and finished in faith. First of all, at the beginning of Hebrews 11, we find three righteous men, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. Then later on, we find Abraham's family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and not forgetting Sarah. Later on, we find Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. These are all the heroes of faith, those who lived by faith and proved God, who ran their race with endurance. But you'll find at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, there are many people who aren't even named. And it, this is what it says about them. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So there's a list of unnamed people who lived by faith, endured by faith, persevered in faith, and yet their faith, the fulfilment of their faith has not come. Because, as the scripture says, God is waiting for the fulfilment of their faith and our faith. Because Jesus is the fulfilment of our faith. Our faith will be fulfilled when we see him. That will be the end of faith. So they are waiting in anticipation for the time when we will meet together and see the Lord and our faith will be fulfilled at that point. So these are all the cloud of witnesses to us of God's faithfulness. And they are witnesses to us also. They are examples to us how to run this race, how to endure this race. So since we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. So what are these things that hinders? 
It could be activities. Things that we do. Not necessarily anything wrong. I'm not speaking about sin. But things that take up our time. Our energy. That distract us from running our race. There are many good things in life which we have to reject because they're not part of our race. They're not the course that God has set us upon. As I was thinking about this, I thought of the Lord Jesus when he was on earth. There are many people in Israel that weren't healed by Jesus. It would have been good if he had healed them all, wouldn't it? But he, had, he didn't. It wasn't part of his course. He says, I only do those things which the Father tells me. He wasn't distracted by doing good things. He knew his course. He knew which race he had to run. And he focused on that. And it's the same with us. There are some good things that we will have to reject and dispense with because they don't fit in with God's purpose for our lives. And it's wisdom to know that. We can't be involved with everything. God hasn't called me to do everything and anything. He has a particular course for my life, and I must focus upon that, because if I do anything else, it will distract me from what he's called me to do. These things can hinder us, and they may be good things. Not only that, sin can also be a distraction, obviously. The Bible calls it the sin that so easily entangles. I have the idea of something that entangles, you hardly know it's happening. You're running the race, and without noticing, this sin slowly entangles around you. And you hardly notice it, till possibly it's too late till it's way down the line and you find that this sin that you've allowed in your life has become a hindrance it's entangled us and it trips us up so we have to be wary that we don't allow sin to grow and to develop as soon as we realise there's sin in our lives we need to cut it off because it can prevent us from following the race the path that God has set us upon. And the Bible says we must throw it off. It's quite a violent action, isn't it? Not put it off, or take it off, throw it off. Quite a violent action. So to run this race, we must throw off everything that would entangle us. Whatever it might be, it may be activities, it may be people, it may be places, it may be possessions. All of these things have the possibility of diverting our attention from following God's purpose for our lives. There may be nothing wrong with those people, those places, those possessions, but they may be the cause of us being diverted from pursuing God's purpose for our life. And the scripture says we must throw them off. If it's people, be careful how much you throw it. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> Lay them aside gently. <laughs> okay.
what we must avoid, how we must run. Let's carry on with verse 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we race with perseverance the race marked out for us. We're expected to run in this way with perseverance and endurance. In fact, if we don't run with perseverance, we'll never finish the race. It takes application, effort, endurance to run the race. I can hear a disturbance. Thank you. And the interesting thing about this race is that we're not racing one another. We're not racing against each other. It's not that sort of a race. Each one has our own race to run. So we're not in competition. You get that, don't you? The prize isn't for those who win the race by beating the others to the end. The prize is for those who endure to the end. So there's a prize for each of us. You don't have to beat anyone else to the end. We're not in competition. We're running this race to finish the race. And there's a prize for each of us. So don't worry about other people if they're further ahead. No matter. Keep running. Because there's also a prize for you. It's not a competition. We run with endurance to finish the race. We have to be committed to the race. And the race makes vigorous demands upon us. We may have to make sacrifices. There may be things that we have to say, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. I can't join you in that. Often we have to make sacrifices because we can't do everything. There's a, I think there's a saying that nowadays that where people say, you can have it all. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. No, we can't have it all. Sometimes we have to make a choice. There are some things God has for me. There are some things that God hasn't got for me. And the things he hasn't got for me are not for me. The things he has for me, I must make sure that I secure them. And that's what I must focus upon. That's what I must focus my attention on. It's not a matter of having it all. It's a matter of having what does God want for me? What has he got for me? And I must embrace that and run with it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah? yeah? Be sure, understand what God has for you in life and to pursue that with all of your heart. Don't be distracted by anything else or by anyone else. Pursue what God has for you as an individual and run your race. And God will bless you and reward you for that. So we run with perseverance the race set before us. What we must avoid, how we must run. And last of all, where we must look. Let's look at that. Verses 2 and 3. This is where we must look. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorn in its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In the course of the race, the eyes of every Christian must be directed firmly and continually on the Lord Jesus himself. He must be our focus. When we run in the race, you always need a focus, don't you? You don't see people running and looking around them. They have a focus. Jesus is our focus. And as we run the race, we must fix our eyes upon him because he is ahead of us. He's gone before us. So we fix our eyes upon him as we run this race. The word used here for fix our eyes indicates the action of those who are aware of rival attractions but deliberately look away to Jesus. There are many things to catch our attention in life, aren't there? And as the scripture says, we deliberately look away from those things and focus our eyes upon Jesus. It's impossible to focus on two different things at the same time. You know that, don't you? When you focus on something, you can only see that thing. You can't focus on two things. So the scripture encourages us to deliberately look away from other things and focus on Christ as we run this race. And as we look at him, as we fix our eyes upon Jesus, what do we see? I'll give you seven things that we see when we focus our eyes upon him. First of all, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, the compassionate man. The human Jesus has known our experience of trial and fierce adversity. He has been this way before. He's already run his race, so he knows what we're going through. Look at Hebrews 2. It tells us about this. I'll just read that quickly. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus shared in our humanity. He became like us. He took on flesh. So he knows what we go through. It says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He was a man, just as we are. So as, as we run this race, let's look upon Jesus, because he will have compassion on us, because he's gone this way before. And as he has compassion upon us, he will intervene in our lives. He will have compassion upon us. He will care for us. He will direct our steps, so that as we run this race, as we fix our eyes upon him, he will help us in our difficulties and in those things that come against us. Let's fix our eyes upon Jesus because he is compassionate and kind to us. Secondly, we must direct our gaze to Jesus, the victorious author 
of our faith. Christ is described as the author of our faith. Our faith begins in him and with him and continues in him and with him. So as we run this race, let's fix our eyes upon Jesus because he is the author of our faith. Our faith is in him and in his word. So as we run the race, let's fix our eyes upon Jesus. In fact, without him, we have no faith. He is the beginning and end of our faith. So let's fix our eyes upon him. Not only is the author of our faith, he is the perfect of our faith. Our faith is completed in him. And when we see him, all our faith will be complete. When we see Jesus, there'll be no more need of faith because we will see him as he is. He is the author and the perfecter, the completer of our faith. Amen. Amen. Also, as we look upon Jesus, as we fix our eyes upon him, we see him as a devoted servant. The scripture says he came into the world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as we look to him, we see the devoted servant who came into the world to do the will of the Father. He said, I come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So as he is, so are we in the world. He is our example. And as we fix our eyes upon him, we see how we should be. Since he came into the world to serve and not to be served, it's the same for us. As we run this race, we, come, we are servants of God. And we see him as our example. Jesus says, It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O oh my God. He does only those things which please the Father. So that's where we must look. We must fix our eyes upon Jesus. Also, as we fix our eyes upon him, we see him as our effective priest. He's seated in heaven there on our behalf. He's there making intercession for us according to the will of God. So as we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we see him praying and interceding on our behalf. As we run this race, we have an advocate in heaven, one who speaks on our behalf to the Father. So be encouraged. We're not running on our own. We have one who's gone before, who speaks on our behalf to the Father. He is the effective priest. Also, he is the enthroned Lord. He seats at the Father's right hand. Power, authority has been given to him. And he sits at the Father's right hand because the work of redemption is finished. In the scriptures, in the Old Testament... The priest stood in the tabernacle and the temple. There were no seats in the temple because the priests were continually working. 
they were continually serving. But Jesus, after he had finished his work on earth, ascended to heaven, and now he's seated at the Father's right hand because his work on earth is finished. And he is seated at the position of power and authority. And last of all, as we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we see him as the patient sufferer. It's an interesting way to end that passage. It seems a bit downbeat, but it's not really downbeat because the scripture tells us that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So he had a purpose in his suffering and the victory came in his suffering. His suffering wasn't the end, it was the beginning. His suffering brought our salvation. It brought the victory over sin, death, shame. So as we fix our eyes upon him, we don't see someone hanging on a tree. We see someone who's overcame sin, the grave, and is now seated at the Father's right hand, interceding for us. He was mocked, assaulted, scourged, forsaken, handed over by informers, imprisoned, falsely accused, and then killed. And though we're sitting here comfortably today, there may come a time when as Christians, we may have to go through these things. We don't know what the future holds. There are other Christians in other countries who continually suffer persecution. Who knows? Things may change. So as we contemplate that, let's fix our eyes upon Jesus because he's been this way before. He knows what it is to suffer patiently, to endure. But the scripture says, for the joy set before him, he enjoyed the cross. He scorned the shame and he's now seated at the Father's right hand. So as we run this race, We've seen what we must reject, how we must run, and where we must look. We must consider him. We must fix our eyes upon Jesus. Lest we become exhausted and give up. And that's always a temptation if you're in a race, going through difficult times. There's a temptation to give up. Say, I've had enough. But the writer to the Hebrews wants to encourage us to keep going. That's his purpose. It's a word of encouragement. Don't give up. Continue in the race. Run with perseverance. Endure to the end. Because the victory comes at the end. No one can stay this course, can continue this race, without God's help. That's why we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus, because our help comes from the Lord. He is both our example and the one who helps us in this race. So let's fix our eyes upon Jesus this day. Let's consider him, lest we're tempted to give up and stop running in this race. We continue, as we continue to fix our eyes upon him, as we run with confidence and perseverance, as we consistently fix our eyes upon Jesus, 
He gives us the assurance that we will both run and finish this race successfully and that a prize awaits us at the end. So continue to run. Don't give up. God bless you all.